on today's program. And the reason that happens is that God never intended for us to dance on altars we didn't build. All of that and more next on Today's Truth. lady, praise the Lord, my son-in-law and my daughter, amen, that helps me so much. And I thank you, all the churches and all the friends and everyone that's been here, amen, to help us celebrate. But I'm telling you something, don't come in here as an ordinary service. Let's don't come in here and try to hold back and wait for the preaching and wait for this and just raise a regular normal hand clap I don't know about you but I want to be changed when I leave this place the Bible says Matthew chapter 19 and 16 and behold one came and said unto him good master what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life and he said unto him why callest thou me good there is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life and keep the commandments. And he said unto him, which Jesus said, Thou shalt no, do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Notice what the young man said here, 19 and 20. All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. Last scripture that I want to read. 19 and 22 says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Leave you with this thought tonight, because I'm seeing this even not in just my church and every church when I go and preach other places. But we have put a price tag. And there's a price that we're only going to pay. So I want to leave you with this thought. Price tag shoppers. See, in the natural, people go shopping for new homes, for new cars, for new clothes. They look, something catches their eye. Brother Jesse Hendricks and amen. They say, I love it. I have to have it. But immediately when they look and turn and see 
the price tag. It changes their expectations or their wants or their desire for that. They look and say, well, if I'll wait maybe if it's on sale. I'll wait, praise God, or amen, uh, a blue light special. But can I tell you something, praise God? Uh, amen, when I come to this, uh, I found a pearl of great price. Uh, I found everything uh, that I was looking for. And I was willing, amen, to to pay the price uh, no matter what it was. We're living in a generation, hallelujah, that comes to church, hallelujah, and not willing to pay that price. Amen, but the price tag, amen, is too much. Can I tell you something? It is time for the church, a living God, that God's gonna rise up and show up his bride in these last days with miracles, signs, and wonders to be able not to be shoppers of price tag, but say, God, I'm willing to pay anything. We come in first thing and we start looking for a church. We look for one that's got less commitments. Less holding the standards. Come on. We look for one, praise God, that we're going to have a hireling instead of a, hallelujah, a real man of God, a pastor and a shepherd over our life. But can I tell you something? Hallelujah, glory to God is wanting this generation, hallelujah, praise God, to quit looking at the price tag and say, God, I don't care, hallelujah, what I've got to pay, what I've got to give up. I want to be used of you. I want to be anointed. Hallelujah, come on, somebody. It is time for this generation. Brother Troy Gippen, amen, we even come into church services, praise God, sometimes we put a price tag, amen, we look at it, well, I'm not willing, praise God, amen, to pay that tonight. I don't know about you, but praise God, when he brought me off of drugs, he brought me off of alcohol, he brought me out of jails, come on, he saved me, I should have been already six foot under. Somebody hear me tonight. Uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, amen. Praise God. And we need to make our mind up. Uh, I come to these services this week. Uh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Yes, uh, we're going to hear a great man of God. But can I tell you something? Uh, amen. God's got something for every individual person in this place. Uh, you can be a miracle for you tonight. There can be deliverance for you tonight. They can be something special. If we will not look at the price tag. That young man, praise God, to come to Jesus. I believe he already knew what he wanted to pay. He come to church and said, I've kept the commandments. I've, I've, kept, I've observed these. I've done all these, Brother Giffen. But the Lord told him, said, this is what's going to cost you. And when he looked, praise God, and say, oh, my God. I thought I could just get by with this and that and this and that. No. Come on. What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord thy God with all 
Come on, how many is wanting to go to heaven? How many wants to see the end time revival? Come on, how many wants to see, praise God, an outpouring like we've never experienced before? Come on, hallelujah, quit looking of what it's gonna cost you and say, Lord, I want it all, no matter what I gotta pay. We say all the time, I want what Jimmy Russell's had. I want, praise God, what the old pioneers had. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. Jesus has got no respect for a person. Quit comparing price tags and be willing, praise God, to say, I'm gonna pay the full price. Come on, lift your hands in this house. Come on, pray it right now. Say, God, I wanted something in these services. I want to be used mighty for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I want deliverance. There's people in this place that need to be healed of their mind and their spirit and their body. Hallelujah. Glory there. Come on, let's pray for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I wish we'd have an apostolic church. Hallelujah. We'd pray out to the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. We're here tonight. We made an effort to come. Hallelujah. Get your best tonight. Give your best. God, you know God is going to give his best. Come on. Let's love him and praise him. Worship with us. we lift our hands all across the sanctuary and bless the Lord in this place. Jesus, we're thankful for your spirit that's moving in our midst. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. It is such a privilege and joy to be here on this special week of services even greater is the presence of the Lord that is moving in this sanctuary. Psalm 16 and 11 said, In His presence there is fullness of joy, and at His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The song we sang just a moment ago said, Even in the darkest moment, this is the truth that I'm holding. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 23, 23, said, Buy the truth and sell it not. There's not a price tag I'm putting back on the truth. There is nothing like the truth of his word. Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Psalm 119 and 30 said, I have chosen the way of truth. John 16 and 13, Jesus said, The Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. 2 Corinthians 13 and 8 says, You can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. John 17, 17 says, Thy word is truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Rightly divide the word of truth. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speak the truth in love. Somebody ought to holler, Thank God for the truth. Thank God for the truth. 
that Jesus is alive and well and he can do anything. John 9, 7 said he can open blinded eyes. Mark 7, 35 said he can unlock deaf ears. John 5 and 9 said he can make the lame walk. Matthew 15, 31, he can make the mute talk. Mark 5, 29, he can make a blood disorder disappear. Matthew 17, 27, out of the mouth of the fish, he can make money appear. Mark 1, 31, he can make a fever leave. John 20, 29, he can make the doubter believe. John 2 and 9, he can turn water into wine. Matthew 14, 25, he can then walk on that water. Mark 11, 21, he can make the fig tree die. John 11, 44, said he can make the dead man come alive. He's a God that can do anything we need him to. And a God that can do anything and be anywhere and can have whatever he wants. Yet he asked us to give ourselves to him. And so if he would give us everything, surely I can give him something back in return. And so the ushers are preparing to come and to receive our offering this evening. And I'm asking that you give to the Lord like truth means something to you. We already said, buy the truth and sell it not. How much is that truth worth? I'm willing to give for the truth. And together they're going to put our offering prayer. And can you read this with me as a declaration? Let's pray it together. Upon the authority of your word, I have given and shall be given to me. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither. I bring my tithe today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked. The curse is broken. I live under an open heaven. You pour out upon me such a blessing that there is not enough room to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritance, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, royalties received. I like this part. My whole family saved and walking with God. Perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessing. I am blessed going in. I am blessed going out. All that I do will prosper in Jesus' name. Let's give to the Lord. Would you clap your hands? Well, we've come to the main course of this service. Amen. And we know, praise God, the Bible said, faith come up by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Amen. Preaching is the most important thing. Hallelujah. Amen. When God said, let there be light, it's creative. It's powerful. Come on, how many's going to let it speak into your world tonight? Come on, I'm going to see more, praise God, hands than that. How many going to let the Word speak to you tonight? Hallelujah. 
Praise God. Amen. We appreciate, praise God, brothers. Amen. Brandon Smith, praise the Lord. He's been our church before. He's evangelist. Amen. Just starting on the field. Amen. Brother Doug Smith, praise God. And Sister Ashley, we fell in love with him. Amen. They preached before. Amen. And our very own, praise God, evangelist works out of this church, Brother Heath Travis. Amen. We love and appreciate. Hallelujah, evangelist. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah that God didn't call me for evangelist. Amen. Praise God. But you know what? I'm so thankful tonight to have somebody that I know that got, I've got confidence that loves me, that prays for me, and can hear God for me. Amen. Come on. I've always said it, praise God, and even when I was uh, not even this organization, not even, praise the Lord, when I, I'll just be honest with you, as Bishop even said, I had a lot of rough edges. Amen. And he might even say, I still have some rough edges. Praise the Lord. But you know what? I'm so thankful to have somebody in my life that he asked me a question sitting in his living room Amen. Several years ago when I was down at his, amen, staying with him, helping him build his house. He said, Brother Orton, how do you feel being under my ministry? I almost teared up. And I spoke and said, Brother White, I feel secure and safe. That's what you're supposed to feel. Come on. And I'm so thankful. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful. Hallelujah. Amen. And I'm so thankful, praise God, to have him to take out of his busy schedule. But you know what? He pastors two churches. He's got 30 to 40 men under him. But he still loves me. And he still loves these preachers that are here. He loves ministers. And he loves people. Can you stand to your feet? And let's give Bishop Douglas White a good hand as he comes. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why don't you take somebody by the hand and exalt him right now? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord. God bless you if you have your Bible. We're going to the book of First Kings tonight. I appreciate all of your help. Thank you. So they're going to keep this old boy hydrated.
<laughs> First Kings, it is good to be here. Uh, to the sound folks, this is my 15th or 16th week in a row out, uh, plus pastoring my churches. My voice is a mess. Physically, I'm exhausted. Emotionally, I'm spent. But spiritually, I'm tapped in. And uh, I feel very uh, driven of God. I feel like it is the will of God. I don't know if I could have been more anxious to be here than I was this time. Probably more so than ever before. I have missed some of you folks so tremendously bad. It seems like it's been five years since I've seen some of my own. And then I get here tonight and get blessed, see all of them, or near all of them. Then Brother Doug, Sister Ashley Smith, Brother, Brother Horton said, it's amazing what a humble spirit Brother Doug Smith's got. He's got such a proper spirit. I said, yeah, that's hard to believe considering who his wife is. And she, uh, I, can, I can pick on Ashley. You don't want to around me, I promise you. I love her. She, she comes up almost to my kneecap now. Here, I was laughing, telling them they first come to our place. I think Brother Doug will remember it. She wanted a picture with me and my two sons. Honest to God, it looked like the U.S. basketball team, Olympic basketball team, and she was like the mascot or something. She just and uh, then Brother Doug gets up tonight. I, I will admit he did something tonight I've never seen before. I've never seen anybody in my life quote half the Bible just to take up an offering. I'd be lying if I didn't tell you my heart got a little proud when I saw him up there doing it. Didn't Brother Orton? Brother Orton do a good job tonight? I wondered why some of you brethren looked at him so funny when he said he'd be done that quick. Ha ha, he did it. I ain't making that promise. <laughs> First Kings, God bless you. I love you all. You're wonderful. Uh, it'll be a while before I give you my title, but I want you to help me preach tonight. I admittedly am going to preach a message that I had another preacher. I've only preached it once at my church. Had another preacher that heard it and evidently liked it and has preached it all over the United States, I guess, or all over the world. But uh, since I know where it come from and I'm uh, the originator, I think maybe I got a right to preach tonight to the precious church of God. First Kings chapter number 18, verse number 25. First Kings chapter number 18, verse number 25. 
And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, watch this. I don't mean me drinking the water, I meant the scripture. Said to the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourself and dress it first. For you're many and call on the name of your gods. Put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon saying, Oh Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. <laughs> Hang on to me now. We gonna get there. Y'all might trust me. I don't mind pulling the wagon and I don't mind you riding the wagon. But don't drag your feet tonight. Bible said they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Ooh, cry loud, for he's a God. Either he's talking or he's pursuing or he's in a journey or maybe the dude's asleep. <laughs> you got to wake him up. Said, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner with Knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. Watch. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar that was broken down. Are you going to help me preach tonight? Would you lift your hands up and ask God to touch us right now? God bless you. You may be seated. If you'll bear with me, I'm going to need a little runway to get this jet airplane off the ground tonight. Obviously, those of you that are familiar with this story understand that it pertains to the showdown between the prophet Elijah and the prophets of an idol named Baal. We know about the challenge and we know how, despite even cutting themselves, uh, Scripture says their idol was incapable of answering them. 
We also know about how Elijah had built his altar back and then poured 12 barrels of water on the sacrifice and saw God answer with a fire so strong that it consumed the sacrifice and it consumed the altar and it even consumed the water around the altar. But for most of us, I don't need to tell you that because, well, we know the story. This is one of those stories found in the Bible that we've heard from the days of our primary Sunday school class and yet because of its familiarity it would be easy for some of us to say well I've already heard that story a hundred times but I find that even in my own personal study of God's word some of the greatest lessons that I've encountered and uncovered are those hidden lessons that sit silently in the background of some of those more obvious lessons that a passage places in our hands. I've made the statement to a lot of preachers in a lot of places that uh, no scripture can be sufficiently exhausted until you've preached it from a hundred angles and touched it from every person's perspective. Now there's a fancy term for that. It's called interpretive latitude and it means that you can take certain liberties with biblical stories by using your imagination to survey the story from every individual's perspective. For instance, we've all heard the story of the ten lepers that come to Jesus only to hear him say, if you need healed, I'll heal you. Go and show thyself to the priest. And as they walk, they all begin to notice that their leprosy had vanished. Now we could use uh, interpretive latitude tonight to talk about the obvious perspectives like the perspective of joy that those lepers found as they began to rejoice over their cleansing. There was the perspective of unbridled gratitude of that single leper who came back to thank Jesus for what he had done. Then there is the perspective of Jesus who appreciated the fact that this one would come back to let him know he was thankful, but he was disheartened to have to ask the question, where are the nine? Weren't they thankful enough to come back to? But then you can utilize what isn't written in the bounds of interpretive latitude uh, to see other angles and other perspectives uh, of the same story. For instance, what about the perspective of those lepers' families? Uh, uh, those that were healed uh, 
How did their families react? Were the families thankful? Did they want to find Jesus and tell them how thankful they were? What about the perspective of the high priest? I wonder what he thought when he heard this Jesus he hated so much had healed all those lepers. Now, was he hesitant to speak ill of Jesus knowing that this man had dominion over every disease? I guess that what I'm trying to say to the church tonight is that most every story in your Bible has scores of perspectives and thus it has an endless supply of messages and lessons that can be preached from any given story. Sometimes all it takes is a little reasoning to uncover those silent facts that are begging you to be discovered. I don't mind telling you that it's him. That light, you're going to find the core of God's message that he has sent me to this pulpit with tonight. Again, in any given story, there are literally dozens of lessons to be learned and facts to be revealed. In fact, the story from which our opening text is derived tonight is absolutely rich with with facts. Uh, It's rich with things that it can impart to a hungry soul's life. This is exactly why you can never pick up your Bible and write off any passage in that book because there's something there God said you don't want to change one jot or one tittle. The Bible said that the word of God is good for reproof and rebuke and exhortation. Not one word of his word is going to pass away. Somebody shout amen. So, uh, these priceless things sometimes are hidden in the background, just like in this story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And they're just waiting to be invested in your walk with God. Tonight, if God will help me, I'm going to invest one of them in you. Understand, there are some obvious lessons in the story. Obvious lesson is seen when Elijah stands up and tells the nation, Why be ye halt between two opinions and ushered revival into their midst? The obvious lesson is that God always honors those people that are going to step out by faith. The second lesson was simple. When in the middle of a drought, he called for 12 barrels of water and said, I want you to pour it on the sacrifice. The obvious lesson is that sacrifice will always bring the fires of God. 
The third lesson in this story is found in seeing these prophets of this idol called Baal begin to cut themselves trying to make a blood covenant to get a response from their God. The obvious lesson here is that there are some people out there whose message is wrong but their heart is sincere. Can somebody shout amen tonight? Ah, but then with just a little closer look, there's some other lessons that are desperately begging to be noticed in this story. Lessons that could have a dynamic impact on your life. But first, they've got to be recognized sitting silently in the background of those things that scream for our attention. Somebody say, preach to me, Brother White. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. It would do us good to notice tonight one of those hidden lessons is that Elijah built his altar before his faith was put to the test. He didn't wait until all hell broke loose and said, I think I'm going to go try to build me an altar. No, no. He said, I'm going to build my altar and God's going to stand with me as I go through this thing. Ladies and gentlemen, it's seldom noticed. But if you read the story carefully, you find that before Elijah allowed the prophets of Baal to go first. He had already built the altar to the Lord there. It'd be wisdom for everybody in this sanctuary tonight to understand that somewhere before your faith is put to the test and your faith will be put to the test you better have built an altar in your world. That altar's gonna be there through the storms of life and without that altar you're gonna be tossed about with every contrary wind. You need an altar before your faith is put to the test. But it's here, just one teeny tiny overlooked and unnoticed lesson beyond what I've told you about tonight. I've got to take you into the heart of my message. You see, there's another lesson hidden in the 27th verse that tells us that the prophets of Baal leaped upon the altar but notice with me I've always heard them preach that the prophets of Baal jumped on the altar they had built but I don't see them doing that I see them jumping on the altar of Elijah stay with me now just moments ago we established that Elijah had built his altar before the test ever started but you also might want to remember that it tells us 
in the 30th verse how that Elijah had to repair his altar that was broken down. You need to realize tonight that Elijah's altar was broken down as a direct result of what happened in the 27th verse when it said that they jumped up and leaped on the altar. When you look closer at what it really meant when it said that they leaped on the altar, you see something completely different. You see in the midst of trying to get their idol to move God tells us that the prophets of Baal leaped upon Elijah's altar. You've got to know this verse says more than you can see on the surface because the actual word from which they derived and translated the word leap is Pesach and Pesach means that they literally danced on the altar of Elijah I feel like preaching here let me put it in language you'll understand tonight these folks wanted a move of God and believed that with enough praise and worship their God would start moving they were obviously sincere people desiring a spiritual breakthrough in their world and they expected the dancing and the shouting to bring that kind of a move of God but their efforts to see a spiritual move of God was futile and useless because they wanted a spiritual experience and a divine manifestation but they wanted to get it by dancing on altars they hadn't built let me preach to you today that the most important lesson that we miss in the entire story of the prophets of Baal and the prophet Elijah is that you can't genuinely have a move of God by dancing on somebody else's altar if you're gonna dance you gotta dance on an altar of your own if you're gonna dance you gotta build an altar of your own so I'm in your pulpit tonight come here just to stir up a devil I want you to understand I've come to preach from this subject tonight don't dance on altars you didn't build can I proclaim to you tonight there was nothing wrong with dancing in pursuit of God we do the same thing I find nothing wrong with their sincerity how many of us are sincere enough to try to cut yourself and make a blood covenant with God I find nothing wrong with their passion I would to God that some of us had enough passion to pursue a God we can't feel but outside of their God being an idol the only thing that separated them from a spiritual manifestation they wanted 
was that they were dancing on altars they didn't build. But God honored Elijah that day because Elijah said, I built this altar. I know this altar will stand. I took care of this altar. Ladies and gentlemen, Elijah built his altar on a relationship with God. I watched everybody getting all excited. God, I wish I was skinny. If I was skinny, I'd dance like nobody's business. I wish I was skinny tonight. But I don't suppose we got anybody in here and all the juking and jiving it was happening. I don't expect we got nobody in here worshiping Baal tonight. But that doesn't mean that my message is lost because I'm preaching to some in this building right now. You're just as sincere as those who are being blessed. You want a move of God just like those who are seeing God's hand at work in their lives. You're just as passionate about seeing a miracle that are seeing God move in their world. But God's got a message for somebody's heart in this house tonight. You need to know the problem may not be your methods. God still inhabits the praises of his people. Make no mistake about what I'm saying tonight. We still believe in the power of dancing. We still believe in the power of worship. We still believe in the power of running the aisles. Hey, hey. If your praise isn't producing the power you're desiring, you need to know the problem may not be your shout. It may be that you're dancing on altars you didn't build. You're dancing on altars that you never built. You don't dance on altars you didn't build. I assure you tonight, I believe in the power of praise. In fact, I've never seen anything that worship couldn't overcome. I've seen worship lift grieving hearts at a casket. I've seen worship strengthen those broken by trials. I've seen uh, worship heal hurts that were left behind by disagreements and disappointments. I've seen uh, worship repair the shattered lives of those whose failure had crushed their reputation. I want to know, am I the only one in the building tonight that still believes in worship? I dare you to get on your feet and worship him right now. Get on your feet and praise him right now. Oh yeah, we believe in worship. I might as well tell this congregation, 
I know a little something, something about your church. I know a little bit about your church and your church. So let me just tell this congregation, when I consider both the blessings and calamities you've come through, I'm of the opinion there is no excuse for anybody not to worship God. I've never seen a body so tired that God didn't deserve praise. I've never seen a disability so bad that God wasn't worthy. I've never seen a trial so severe that God didn't deserve a response. I've never seen pain so deep that worship couldn't bring you out. I've never seen a wounded spirit so vexed that praise wouldn't bring you the victory. There is no excuse. There's no excuse not to worship God. I preached 306 times last year. This is my 15th or 16th week out. They've tried for two years to get me to get knee replacements because I'm bone on bone and the pain is unrelenting. But I've got news for you. I'm not going to stop for nothing. I come in every service and still worship. I come in every environment and still praise Him. It ain't about my pain. It's about Him. His worthiness. It ain't about my discouragement. It's about his deserving. Shout, shout. And you might as well know that really worshiping God means sometimes you got to go beyond a single amen every third sermon. Sometimes really worshiping God means you got to go beyond clapping your hands twice whether God deserves it or not. Sometimes you got to go beyond standing up once in every service and that's to read the Bible. Our church is growing to the place. Sit down, Sarah. Our church is growing. We've just about doubled in the last couple of years. And we've got to where we, we have to utilize chairs like that every now and then. And, and we used to have to use chairs all the time. Didn't have the pews we got now. And, and, and we, we got new people coming in. 
And, and it's, it's kind of funny. They, we move chairs often, but that's not a problem for some of my saints. They just find the one that's molded to the perfect shape of their backside. And they sit down right there because that's their pew. They sat down 37 years ago and ain't never stood back up since. And if they have to get another one, they just find one as far away from the altar as they can go. Every now and then you got to get something inside of you that says, I got to worship. You got to do more than lift one hand and say hallelujah under your breath to make it look like you're praying. If you're a worshiper, there's coming a time you got to get carried away and forget who's sitting around you. Forget the visitors on the back row. And you got to get a spirit that says, get out of my way. I'm going to dance whether you like it or not. Forget everything else. I'm going to run these aisles because God deserves it. I don't care if you worship or not. I can worship by myself. But I'm looking for a spirit that says I'm not staying in a pew when I can get out and walk around and praise Jesus. I dare you to shake somebody beside you and tell them get beside yourself. Get beside yourself. Hey, I'm not sure I'm going to get much farther here tonight. I just wish I had one somebody right now that get a little crazy about your worship and praise. God with a passion. Why don't you do it right now? Is there somebody that'll push your pride out of the way and give God the intensity he deserves? Hey, I'm preaching that worship still works. Praise still changes everything. Dancing still makes God take notice. Leaping brings the joy of God into your world. But the whole premise of this sermon tonight is to tell you that praise doesn't work just because you're physically lifting your hands. Praise doesn't work just because your feet move to the beat of the music. Praise doesn't work just because you're using your vocal cords to shout. God's driven me to the pulpit tonight to tell you it is absolutely possible to go through all the motions of praise and still not have the power, still not have the anointing, still not have the manifestation worship was designed to bring into your world and the reason that happens is that God never intended for us to dance on altars 
we didn't build. Clap your hands to the Lord. Watch, watch. Bible said when the prophets of Baal got up on Elijah's altar, it broke down under the weight of their dancing. Let me remind you that worship builds a throne that God sits at in our lives. But the Bible also tells us to come boldly before the throne that we may find help in the time of need. If that be true, there must be one cardinal rule for sure. If worship builds him a throne, you need to build it right because you've got to stand there and put your petitions before God. You better build on a foundation you can stand on. Your praise is going to build him a throne. You better make sure it's on a platform of relationship, on a platform of righteousness that you built, your hands built. You can only dance so long on everybody else's worship until your feet start slipping and your foundation starts crumbling. This is why you find something. I got an idea. Let's act like the ones I'm fixing to talk about are not in Kentucky. All of them are in Texas and most of them... Go, have been to my church but everybody has had those saints that can go from shouting one night to backsliding the next night the problem is that they were dancing but they were dancing on somebody else's altar they were dancing on somebody else's relationship they were dancing on somebody else's commitment Don't get me wrong tonight. I'm not preaching against shouting or worshiping God. You need to worship God, but your worship alone won't keep you if you're dancing on altars. You didn't build. Can I preach about Moses and Korah a little bit here right now? I think I, think I got a little something, something I can tell you here. You see, we know there was a conflict that arose between Moses and Korah. Stay with me. But sometimes we don't see why that conflict arose between Moses and Korah. The Bible lets us know that Korah didn't believe in spiritual submission to a pastor. He felt like he ought to be able to be his own man of God. But Moses didn't watch, watch. Moses didn't have that problem. Moses submitted himself to a man named Jethro. Moses had already built that altar of submission. But watch what happened. The Bible tells us it all came to a conclusion when Moses stood in the door of the temple and Korah and his followers stood out before him. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible said that Korah and those 250 men with him, all of them had censers in their hands. Censers. They'd burn incense. It was a type of worship. Woo! 
250 people all worshiping at the same time. Korah and 250 of the people he had influenced all worshiping at the same time. Sure, they were all worshiping, but suddenly the Bible tells us that the ground, the foundation began to crumble beneath them. And before it was over, the earth swallowed up Korah and 250 of his followers. Are you listening to me right now? Look at how God described them. The Bible said that God slew 250 men that offered incense. God said they may have been worshiping but I judged them anyway and when it spoke about their deaths, the Bible quickly tells why God judged them when he called them the censors of these sinners. Oh, they were dancing but they were sinners. They were shouting, but they had to shout on somebody else's altar because they didn't have built one of their own. Oh, they were running the aisles, but they were following somebody else because they'd never built an altar of their own. God said, look at the censors of these sinners. In no uncertain term, God said they're worshipers, but they were destined for failure because they were dancing on altars they didn't build. Let me tell you what you're going to start seeing. Not far from here, I just encountered the strongest charismatic compromising spirit that I've ever dealt with anywhere outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I know enough about devils. It's bound to bleed over into this area. But I want you to listen to this preacher right now. Even the religious world is starting to see their compromise crumbling beneath their feet because they've learned how to dance on altars they didn't build. Oh yeah, they learned a lot by watching churches just like this one. Just like the one in Ilsley. Just like the one in Madisonville. Just like the one in Marion. They learned a lot by studying our precious Pentecostal ways. But they ultimately can't stand because they've never built an altar of truth themselves that will hold them firm. Let me tell you why I'm seeing charismatic movements folding up everywhere. They have the shout, but they don't have an altar of separation. They have the dance, but they don't have an altar of doctrine. They have the praise, but they don't have an altar of passion. They have the hallelujah, but they don't have an altar of holiness. And their ground they're trying to dance on is crumbling because you don't dance on altars you didn't build ladies and gentlemen don't dance on altars you didn't build child of God let me say it once and for all we'll say brother what they're dancing they're shouting they gotta be wanting something from God yeah as long as it don't cost them nothing as long as that price tag ain't there 
They'll do anything as long as they don't have to pay that kind of price. But I'm telling you, if you're going to build an altar, it's going to cost you something. If you're going to build an altar, you ain't going to fit in every crowd. If you're going to build an altar, everybody's not going to like you. If you're going to build an altar, somebody's going to find fault with you. Watch. Watch. Well, Brother White, they're dancing and they love God. And if they're dancing and love God, I guess they probably are going to go to heaven anyway. I'm going to tell you right now, everything that dances ain't sanctified. Seems to me like I heard about a girl named Herodias that decided to dance in front of a pagan king. She wanted something spiritual. She wanted the head of John the Baptist cut off and brought to her on a silver charger. I'm sorry, you can't have what you want if all you've got's a dance without an altar. She did it because she was destroying something. I'm not talking about destroying anything. I'm talking about building this kingdom, building a church in this city. We've got to have revival. No, no, no. I say it once and for all. There's nothing wrong with worship. In fact, everything is right with worship. But you need to know it's not enough to dance on altars you didn't build. It's not enough to sit there motionless and only join in when somebody else builds an altar of worship. It's not enough to sit there stoic and unconcerned and only get involved when somebody builds an altar of intensity. It's not enough to stand in this house, eat up with indifference until somebody builds an altar of travail that drags you to an altar. Is it any wonder your world's falling apart? Is it any wonder the foundation's crumbling beneath you? You're dancing on an altar you didn't build. So listen, listen, listen. Somewhere. Somewhere. At some time. All of us are going to need it. Every one of us, brother Daniel Orton. Every one of us are going to need it. Understand, you're going to need God to move in your world. And to get that kind of move of God, you need to be dancing on an altar you've designed and built to carry the weight of your problems. You need an altar that's strong enough to hold up under the pressure you're going to carry there with your praise. Someday, you're going to need what comes only with an altar of your own. I'd remind you that in spite of all of their dancing on Elijah's altar, there wasn't one hint of fire that fell from heaven as a result of their praise. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't mean to offend anybody in here, but let, can, can I just act like I'm home right now? I'm always very diplomatic at home because I'm scared of losing tithe payers, I guess. But if you ain't living right, shut up and sit down. You ain't got no business dancing around the front of the church wanting to be seen by somebody. That's the 
dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. If you haven't built an altar, your shout means nothing. If you haven't built an altar, your dance means nothing. If you haven't built an altar, your praise means nothing. Just a few weeks ago, we was in the middle of church preaching. I mean, I was gut preaching. It was one of them nights. Brother Henry felt like everything was hitting on all eight cylinders. Or at my size, ten cylinders. Maybe twelve cylinders with my size. I don't know. Everything was hitting on all cylinders. And all of a sudden... I see my phone start flashing. They know better than call me in the middle of preaching. Dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. I looked down. It wasn't a call. It was a text. What you guys don't know is my hearing aids connect to my telephone. I silence my phone so y'all don't hear it ring. But it still comes in my ears. God forbid I make a blooper because both my sons, Nathaniel and Benjamin, are in a text room with Scott Graham and me. And if I make a blooper, all I hear for the next 10 minutes is do 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 Finally, I look down, see this text is from my wife. She said, there's an elder, told me the elder's name, and said, family just called and said, it looks like death's going to take him. He's at the point of death. He, he's got what they were calling death rattles. They, he, he was sucking air, breathing like four times a minute. And he's trying to survive. And within moments, we begin to, we stopped the service when I read it. I couldn't get away from it. I didn't care how much I was in the middle of preaching. Nothing mattered more than that person. So we stopped everything in our service. And when we stopped everything in our service, we begin to pray. And when we prayed, the fire of God fell. And we answered our prayers. And not only did he live, but he got out of the hospital and was a glorious miracle. But let me ask you a question. What happens when you need the fire of God to fall and you don't have a corporate altar and you don't have an altar your pastor built and you don't have the altar the leaders built? What do you do then? What do you do when you need the fire of God to fall? But there's not an altar that you've built that can carry you. I feel the Holy Ghost beginning to set down. Trust me, there's coming a day when you are going to need the power of God in your world. The church ain't going to be there with you. The congregations, you know what it's like, son. You just went through it yourself. You wasn't expecting it, son, but it was there. What you going to do when the congregation's prayers aren't there to help you? When the strength of your altar won't be enough to beckon the fires of God? What will you do then? There's coming a day. Some of you are going to need to lay hands on a dying soul and see the fire of God fall. 
Some of you are going to need to cast out that demonic spirit from that home and see the fire of God fall. Some of you are going to have to pray the prayer for that desperate need and see the fire of God intervene. But it's not going to happen just because you know how to dance. Just because you know all the words to the song. It's not going to happen just because you can move to the beat of the music. You've got to quit dancing on altars you didn't build and build an altar of your own. Build an altar of commitment. An altar of righteousness. An altar of faithfulness. Uniquely, it's a common theme throughout the entirety of the Word of God. For instance, let me give you one. They took handkerchiefs from the body of Paul, and people were healed that weren't even in the building where Paul had wiped his old bald head to get the sweat off with a handkerchief. They, they weren't even there. The Bible said they were healed. Because the fire knew how to fall in Paul's world. Paul had an altar of his own. He had an altar of dedication in his own life. But watch! Standing on the outskirts of the Apostle Paul was a man known as Simon the Sorcerer. He said, I got good money here, Paul. Here you go, Paul. Here's what I need, Paul. I need you to give me that ability. Give me that. Give, give me a hanky so I can heal people. Give me a hanky so I can lay hands on people. Only to hear Paul tell him, your money perish with you. I am convinced, Brother Michael Orton, Pastor, I am convinced that Simon the Sorcerer goes to some of our churches because they come to our place and we've got an abundance of people that want the power of God and they're willing to do just about anything but dedicate themselves to have it. You want me to perform? I'll perform. You, you, you want me to dance? I'll dance. You want me to march? I'll march. Just don't ask me to dedicate myself. But real altars are only built out of dedication. Real altars are only built out of faithfulness. The Holy Ghost is sitting down right now. Lift your hands up and begin to pray. I am convinced, buddy. I'm convinced, buddy, that the fires of God are never going to fall in anybody's hands if those hands haven't been busy building altars to support their worship. 
altars that can support their dancing. I got to quit. Forgive me, I've gone 46 minutes. It's coming. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe a few weeks from now, and you'll probably be home by yourself, and then it's going to happen something. It's going to scream into your world that can only be fixed by the fire falling. But when that time comes, I want to know if you'll be dancing on altars of commitment that you built. Or are you just going to try to dance on altars you didn't build? My message is simple. You don't dance on altars you didn't build. I find it interesting that when Elijah told the prophets of Baal, my brother, why be ye halt between two opinions? That word halt was the very same word as the word leaped, and it meant to dance. So God was saying, why do you keep dancing between two opinions? You're dancing for God one minute. You're dancing with the devil the next. Why are you dancing between two opinions? You said it right to start this service tonight. If we're going to get it, it's going to cost us everything. There's coming a day, darling, it's going to cost us our comfort. Hey, this world's not done yet. There's other pandemics that are going to come. There are things that are going to come upon this. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't believe we're going through the great tribulation. But I do believe that we're going to go through a lot more tribulation than we're seeing right now. And when it comes, you're going to have to make up your mind. Am I more interested in my comfort or in Jesus? Am I more interested in my good home or Jesus? Am I more interested in my good job or Jesus? Stand to your feet with me right now. Gifts of the Spirit are very close to us now. Conviction is in this place. Somebody in here, I love your worship. Pastor, I love your worship. When I come here, your worship team, I always get my old legs doing that stuff. And I, I love the way y'all preach with me. I love the way you folks love me. I want you to know how much I love and appreciate you. But hear me and hear me well. None of it matters if you're just dancing on somebody else's altar. God is calling this church tonight. God is calling every individual from every congregation represented. God's calling every one of you tonight. 
to start building an altar that'll support everything you want in God. But you're going to have to build your own altar. You can't dance on altars you didn't build. I, I don't know if music needs to come. I, don't, I just feel like somebody needs to pray today. Why don't we all just find a place to touch heaven? Everybody find a place to touch heaven. Everybody find a place to touch God. Tomorrow night we'll dance. Tomorrow night you'll have miracles. Tomorrow night you'll see prophetic utterance. But tonight we're going to dance on the altars. We'll, we're going to build the altars. We're going to dance on tomorrow. That's it, pray. That's it, pray. Thank God for the dance. But it's got to be on an altar that I built. Thank God for the shout. But it's got to be on an altar that I built. That's it, pray. Come on now, pray. Sure, sure. Come on, every church has those that can shout and backslide at will. Just don't let it be you. Don't let it be you. Thanks for taking the time to take in today's program. This is a media ministry outreach of Truth Apostolic Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. For more information about our ministry, visit our website.